You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. We got a fun, different, exciting show for you guys tonight. We're going to bring it. We got a lot of energy. We got a great guest. But, of course, I got to introduce my co-host here, Vinny, a.k.a. Down on the Farm, and Michael Richards in the house. Mike, what's going on? Not much. Always happy to be here with you guys. We, Like you said, we got a great guest. We got an interesting, unique show that our boy Vinny came up with, and excited to go through this with you guys. How's it going, Vinny? Doing good. Let me tell you, digging into this draft class, I can't wait to do more just to see how the success rates are. But this was one crazy draft class, and I think it might go down as one of the best in recent memory. Could you say it's like the 2003 NBA draft, but for the for MLB? I mean, when you look at all the names here, it's pretty I think crazy. it's still a little early to call it that, but there's definitely some big names in this class. There are big names, just like our guest for the show tonight. Of course, you guys know him. He is uh, the Pablo picture on Twitter. You already should know who that is just for the fact uh, that he is iconic. But, of course, he's the head of MLB Info at Underdog Fantasy. He also has got a Patreon that you need to make sure you check out, patreon.com slash too much Tuma. Although you can never get too much of this man, it is Brendan Tuma. What's up, man? How's it going, David? Um, no, I'm excited to be here. Like you said, Vin, this was like an amazing idea. I think already we were talking offline a little bit just about doing these redrafts for fypds you know fypd season is kind of coming up here for dynasty leagues and yeah no i mean i'm already spinning the wheels in my head thinking about you know other years and who would go first and whatnot but we got to keep it focused on 2019 for now like you said just absolutely stacked class that's right great idea here by Vinny. we're going back to the 2019 mlb draft and looking at the 2020 first year player draft players redrafting them and deciding what order would we take these players in? Obviously, it's going to be a little different than the actual order, but just like everybody mentioned, is a absolutely stacked class. And I have to say, Brendan, you ripped my heart out from my chest when I saw who you took number one because I thought there might be a chance you would go differently here, but you went Bobby Witt Jr., who I think if you didn't have a, a massive, massive Julio Rodriguez rookie season, he would have been the rookie of the year for the American League. Just absolutely looked like an absolute future star in the majors in his first season, stole 30 bases, hit 20 home runs, one of only a few 20 homer, 30 stolen base players last season. And just that that's just in his rookie year. Uh, I think sky's the limit for this kid. Was this a no doubt first pick for you, or did you kind of have to waver back and forth between him and Adley Rushman? Yeah, I feel bad because I remember that last year heading into redraft season, you were really high on Bobby Wood and that obviously paid off, especially in Roto leagues, just with the stolen bases. But for me, yeah, it was it was a bit of an obvious pick in dynasty startups right now. In my dynasty rankings, I have Bobby Witt as a first round pick. Uh, you know, especially if you're playing in a roto format, and I do think Bobby Witt is kind of going to fall into a little bit of a category as his career plays out. It's kind of similar to what we've seen from Bo Bichette and also what we might see from Michael Harris, where they're better in fantasy than real life. Bobby Witt Jr. is obviously amazing in real life, but the way that he puts up production is just perfect for fantasy. This He's a rookie. He plays for not necessarily the best team in the world, and he went 20-30. Even though you have the stats up there, he had a 98 WRC+. plus. He was technically below league average in that sense, but he's still a first-round pick in redraft even this season. There's starting to be a little bit of a discourse around is he overrated uh, as a first-round pick, and I think we're starting to get a little too ahead of ourselves with that. Like, yeah, on NFBC, taking him seventh overall might be too much, but uh, I mean, man, again, I just keep coming back. He went 20-30 as a rookie, and yeah, he chases too much uh, more than we'd like, but he's just going to keep putting up uh, the power-speed combo, I think, for the foreseeable future. 
absolute future star. And yeah, I think you can debate in redraft if he's being taken too early, but in dynasty circles, he is definitely a, a top asset right now. That stolen base upside 30 stolen bases is not something you see too much right now in baseball. We'll see what that does with the new bases this year, but great pick at number one. Uh, I was hoping he might fall, but I think it was the right pick there. So I went number two with the pretty much the one that fell in my lap and Adley Rushman catcher for the Baltimore Orioles. And in his first season in the bigs, it may not stand out to this, the, the average eye here. If you look at his actual line, 13 home runs, 42 RBIs, four steals, a 254 batting average. But he really came on towards the end of last season. He actually had eight of his 13 home runs in August and September. He also is one of the top base on ball guys in the league, a 13.8% walk rate last year, which is top 4% in all of baseball. Struck out 18% of the time as a rookie catcher, which is, I mean, to strike out that little as a rookie is almost unheard of. And as a catcher as well, uh, it's just very exciting. His plate discipline, he just has a good eye at the plate. Obviously has some potential 25-plus home run power in that bat. Can give you a couple steals. He's going to be calling games for all the Orioles pitchers. He is a building block in Dynasty. He is one of the best young players in baseball. He's... A pretty much a consensus top five catcher at this point, even in redraft leagues. Adley Rutschman is the future in Baltimore and a no doubt number two pick in this first year player draft. Let's go to number three, whose name I don't think would have made this list if we go back a year ago. But man, this man just shot up out of nowhere, coming from double A to the bigs and making his mark here, Vinny. You jumped at the opportunity to draft. Michael Harris at the third spot. Yeah. If a rookie of the year is going to fall to me at three, there's, there's no way I'm passing. What Michael Harris has done this year is pretty crazy. Like if we're going to follow the, you know, the uh, family tree of Braves outfielder prospects that have succeeded, like he follows right in line with Acuna, very similar, almost eerily similar to the season that Jason Hayward had when he first came up with the Braves in 2010. But if you're looking at a guy who's a 2020 guy, probably year in, year out, he's going to be around the 20, 25% K rate, going to walk a lot. He's, he's better dynasty than he probably is real baseball player. But if we're talking, who do you want to start a dynasty with? You really want to do with Harris. Harris will put your team on a back on his back for the whole season. Just the upside with him is crazy. I might be a little too bit high on him, but I remember when he came out of the draft, like there was no buzz on him. He was one of those high school hitters with a lot of helium, as they like to say. But what he's developed into is borderline a superstar. And it's just, it's crazy to see players like this fall in these drafts, just to show how scouting departments really work and how, you know, players can fall through the cracks. But yeah, Michael Harris is a perfect example of, Hey, let's see what a kid can do. And you know, his upside. Do you think we've seen the best of Michael Harris? There are people that have been skeptical with the high ground ball rate from last season to him having as many home runs as he did, obviously making the jump from double a to do what he did. The bigs, is that something he can sustain? Will he, you know, with pitchers figure him out a little bit more in 2023. Do you have any concerns, Vinny? Not really, because if you take if you look at all the stats, he did skip AAA, which is I think pretty, you know, pretty pivotal in uh, the development of a player. But to put to do what he did with skipping AAA in the majors, I think the sky's the limit with him. I think he can have a better year next year and potentially a couple other ones down the road. Like he's still developing, he's still learning, and it's scary how his tools look now to what he'll look like when he's done developing. All right. Michael Harris could be a potential superstar in this league and very much looked the part last season. Corbin Carroll's our next player here. Actually drafted number one just a couple of years ago. Um, and or I'm sorry, he was the 16th pick in this draft in the 2019 MLB draft. As my dog yelps. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard that. But he uh, is... As much promise, I think, as anybody coming in this year. He's the Rookie of the Year favorite this year. He's got speed, and he's really developed nicely in the minor leagues here. Mike, 
Talk to us about Corbin Carroll. Yeah, Corbin Carroll, you know, it's no secret at this point. He's, you know, the top prospect for a lot of people. There are people out there who see Gunnar Henderson ahead of him. I believe I, I saw Tuma say that. But for fantasy, I think Corbin Carroll is a stud. Like, the the hit tool in speed is without question. On Fangraphs, he's listed with a plus hit tool in 80-grade speed, which I agree with. And they give him a, a above-average power. I think that might be selling him a little bit short. You know, and that's that's the thing that I see people questioning with him is how much power is he going to get to? To me, this is going to be a perennial 2030 type guy. Like what we saw with Bobby Witt this year, I think that's the sort of stuff we could see with Corbin Carroll even as soon as this year. And going forward, it could get even more ridiculous. I just believe in his power. I believe he's going to get over 20 home runs regularly, hitting in a good park too. I think he's going to be a great leadoff hitter. And I think the reason he fell to number 16 in the MLB draft is because of his size. And I think this is something that we can take as a lesson. Like if you like those guys, those gamers who play really hard that have the great hit tool with the elite speed, you know, power is the easiest thing for teams to develop. So, you know, I, I really like this profile and, you know, if there's, if there's players in the, this draft or future drafts that have this sort of skill set, I wouldn't hesitate uh, taking them in, in roto type leagues. Can't disagree with you there. Corbin Carroll looks like he's going to be an absolute star. And right after him is the player that's been tailing him pretty much all in the minor leagues over the last year or so. And got a little taste of the big leagues last year, just like Corbin Carroll did. And that's Gunnar Henderson, who you went right back to back with. Also potentially going to be running for rookie of this the year this year in the American League. And he went 42nd in the 2019 draft. Has a lot of promise. Has a, a lot of great tools here, Mike. You uh you really struck gold here, I think, with the the, the two picks here. Tell us a little bit about Gunnar Henderson. Yeah, going just to my two picks, like this was a pretty auto pick. I like, you know, obviously taking the top two prospects, and I like both these guys a lot. So Gunnar Henderson improved quite a bit last year. He's someone I've liked for going back to when he was drafted, even, but he had uh, over 30% strikeout rate. And then he really lowered that this last year just got into all the goodness that you want to see from a player. And he's still young too. He was 21 years old, did it in the upper levels, got up to the majors, didn't look overmatched at all. He plays a position that's weak right now in redraft leagues. You know, I know he's being viewed as like the seventh third baseman. And I agree with that. I think his skills merit that. Now I will say this. I don't think he's going to be the stolen base threat that he showed in the minor leagues. I think he'll, he'll probably get around 15 and he could get up to 20, I guess, with the new rules. It's, it's hard to say, but I don't think you should view him as like a, you know, a potential 30, 30 threat down the road. You know, this is more like a guy I think could get to 30 home runs with 15 steals and, you know, just a hundred runs, hundred RBIs type of guy, just really high upside. I think he's going to be a big part of the Orioles future. And, you know, it was just an automatic pick for me to make at this spot. Yeah. I like the pick there. Now, Vinny, we get to our next player, and this is the first one that actually hasn't played yet in the big leagues, but we expect to see this season in Anthony Volpe of the New York Yankees. He's expected to be their future shortstop, and I think you've got a pretty good value here at the sixth slot. This is obviously taking him over a couple guys that have been up in the bigs and proven that they look like they belong. So how come you decided to go Anthony Volpe here over a couple of the big leaguers that are already showing promise here? My whole process with Volpe was I was attacking upside. If you take this year with a grain of salt, I think it was more he was working and developing tools and just refining stuff this year. I, I really don't believe he's going to be a 240, 230 hitter when he makes it to the major leagues. He'll probably be a 260, 270. Um, he's more than likely at the next level going to be a 2020 guy at the least. I don't think he'll he will never steal 50 bases. He probably will never steal 40 or 30 bases. But I think the solid number you're looking for is around the 2025 mark. He just screams uh, a starting shortstop. He's not going to move to another position. He's athletic enough. He's uh, defensively solid enough to hold down the position. He brings a swag with him that I don't think most prospects bring with him. Like he's a, he's a presence on the field. That's a little X factor, you know to throw in there, but when he came out of high school, 
scouts were bullish on him. They didn't believe in his hit tool or his power. They just liked that he was the athletic uh, prep shortstop, and he's really proved a lot of people wrong. Like thir- 29 other teams are pretty mad right now. Maybe a couple aren't that uh, they passed on him, but he's going to make a lot of teams really angry that they passed up on Anthony Volpe come the next few years here. Can't wait to watch him play the big leagues, which should hopefully be this coming season at some point. He should, assuming things go well, get a chance to show people what he's got and why teams should be regretting passing on him. The player that made a really big jump uh, from where he was drafted, pick 319 in the 2019 MLB draft, is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals, also called the Italian Breakfast. And his numbers in his first season in the bigs, keep in mind he had 298 at-bats. So pretty much only about a half a season worth of at-bats. Hit 10 home runs, 26 RBIs, batted 295 with a 383 OBP, 450 slug. Walked 11.7% of the time, struck out 11.4% of the time. As a rookie, he actually walked more than he struck out with a 46.9% hard hit rate. Keep in mind, league average is 35.8%. He also had 112.7 max EV and a 91.2 exit velocity, average exit velocity. And the average exit velocity higher than the major league average. So he was hitting the ball hard, striking out very little while walking at a double-digit percentage clip. He is the future first baseman for the Kansas City Royals. He has so many great things in his profile. He has patience. He's got power. You're not going to get stolen bases from him. He only had one last season. I'll be shocked if he even gets like five in a season. But uh, he pretty much gives you four categories everywhere else. I I love this kid, as many others do right now in redraft leagues. He's going right next to Jose Abreu inside the top 100. So that just shows you what people are thinking of him going into his second season. And the sky's the limit for this kid. I'm, I'm so excited to see what he can do for the, the young Royals here. And he's in, to me, you're looking for, at this point in the draft, someone that can uh, give you some proven production and be a solid player. I think he's, to me, was a no-brainer at this point in the draft. But then I was tempted to go pitching here. And then Tuma to my surprise, takes both pitchers, which one of these guys I was hoping would fall and just is a nice little clean sweep here, starting off with George Kirby, who is just a a zone machine, puts the ball in the zone like crazy. So let's talk about your two picks here, uh, Tumo, with George Kirby, and then you went Alec Manoa. So talk to us about these two guys. For sure, yeah. So I'll start with Kirby. And uh, these two guys, both of them, neither strike me as having that huge, huge SP1 overall type season in them, but they both just, I think are going to be really, really good high end twos for a long time. Kirby, you're approaching it more from, you know, very much a control standpoint. I think that the Mariners don't really get the credit they deserve for becoming one of the better teams at developing pitching nowadays. They've had a lot of success with relievers as well, but Kirby's thing coming out was, it was always about, uh, it was good control and it was just going to be about how much the stuff played up. They've done a great job, you know, giving him a little velo bump coming out of the pandemic. And uh, the thing that really stands out about him, when you look on Baseball Savant, those little uh, heat maps where Mm -hmm. you can see where those pitches go, his slider is just consistently on the edges of the strike zone. That's obviously uh, a really good thing. Slider location is one of the, um, you know, aspects of pitching that can be, uh, you know, a real differentiator that doesn't always jump at it's really hard to you know scout that with the eye test but luckily we have the tools nowadays where we can see that a little easier so yeah kirby i mean he's someone again you might not get insanely excited about uh ever maybe winning a cy young but he's just going to be a glue guy for your you know dynasty rotation for a really long time yeah i mean i i'm actually i love him this year and i i know i've been reading stuff that he's He's working because right now his fastball is his biggest thing because he's able to, to keep that in the zone and he's able to control it. But talking about adding to make that slider have extra velocity go onto it to get hitters to maybe uh, increase the amount of whiffs he's going to get on it and potentially get more strikeouts this season. People have kind of called him a uh, following that Shane Bieber path. We saw Shane Bieber start mm-hmm. out as that same type of pitcher, just a, a zone monster and then getting a ton of strikeouts using his secondaries to go off of his fastball. I love George Kirby this year. I, I, that's why I was kind of sad he didn't make it to me here, but uh, you taking him here was a, a very good choice as well as your next guy in Alec Manoa. Yeah, so I mean, uh, a lot of us who play Dynasty, we don't always prefer building through pitching, but after you guys took, you know, Volpe, Vinny, and then the two top prospects that 
Mike took that it just kind of like it fell into my lap where, okay, if I am going to take these pitchers, at least they're two that I feel really good about. And Manoa is a little bit of my guy. I just felt like I was a little bit early on him when he was first coming up in 2021. And I don't think again, like similar to Kirby, like uh, he doesn't necessarily get the just like shine that I think he deserves. I mean, he had a 2.24 ERA. It was the second lowest ever for a Blue Jay starting pitcher since Roger Clemens in 1997. He finished third in the Cy Young voting and he's 24 years old. Doesn't feel like people are that excited about him. If you look at a lot of the projection systems for him, especially Steamer, they really don't like him. And I think believing in Manoa, you need to believe that he's a bit of an outlier, an outlier in contact suppression, which again, like projection systems are, you know, rightfully not always uh, going to believe in that, but his stuff is so wicked. He's not a huge caper nine guy, but he does get a lot of that weak contact. I like that the Blue Jays this offseason are prioritizing, you know, defense, especially in a post shift world. They got rid of T. Oscar. They put Kiermaier in center. Varsha is going to uh, be good for them in outfield defense. And then I think uh, the other thing about Manoa is we've all kind of accepted Sandy Alcantara as someone who's a similar profile where it's not a crazy mm-hmm. K per nine, it's a lot of contact suppression. And everyone kind of agrees. It's a lot of like innings pitched and everyone kind of is on board uh, myself included with him just being an outlier in that sense. But it just doesn't feel like that reputation has caught up uh, with Manoa. Again, he's probably going to be more of a high end number two for a long time, but that's, you know, more than fine. Uh, One last thing on him. He had 25 quality starts last year. So if you play in quality starts leagues, that's just like, he actually had one more quality start than Sandy last year. So it's just another way he's kind of, undervalued depending on your format yeah i i know people have talked about potential regression for him but regardless of if you think there's regression or not the man's performed ever since he got called up he's the ace of the toronto blue jays staff i think even more so than uh than any of the other guys they have at this point he's the most accomplished guy they have and uh you would expect he's going to be able to accumulate a lot of innings he stayed healthy 196.2 innings last season 180 strikeouts that doesn't grow on trees in today's day and age where uh very few pitchers have the potential to get 200 innings so uh, yeah i just want to throw in real quick i i really like kirby and manoa as sp2s in redraft this year i think if you get an ace and pair them with these guys it could really do it could really do wonders for you yeah agreed on that front but you did Luckily to me, you couldn't take three pitchers here. So you were able to leave me one. And I get my guy, Nick Lodolo, who is my pick for the biggest breakout of any pitcher this coming season. The lefty who may not be as, wasn't as hyped as much as Hunter Green, who is the other pitcher in the Cincinnati rotation here. He was the, uh, Lodolo was the seventh pick in the 2019 draft. 116 innings last year, 149 strikeouts. But here's a little bit about Nick Lodolo. So there are 20 starting pitchers projected to have 200 or more strikeouts in 2023, according to Steamer. And two of the pitchers are going outside top 180p. And he is one, and Hunter Green is the other. Now, last year, 366 ERA, 349 XFIP, a 29.7% K rate, an 8.8% walk rate. Those are all really good numbers. His 11.41 K per nine ranked eighth among all pitchers in baseball with at least 100 innings pitched. But what's really selling me on Nick Lodolo next year and why I was really happy to grab him where I did is Nick Lodolo went on the IL April 25th with a back injury, and he didn't come back until July 5th. At the time of the injury, he had a 5.52 ERA in 14.2 innings, and he kind of seemed like a, a lost cause, at least for last season. Over the next 88.2 innings when he returned, he had a 3.35 ERA, 3.55 xFIP, and the ground ball rate at about 47%. And Justin Choi of Fangraphs, basically in a really nice article, talked about on August 6th against the Brewers, he started changing his curveball, and he featured two additional inches of horizontal movement that basically changed the entire way the pitch looked to hitters, You combining that with his lower arm angle and it made it look incredibly deceiving. Now, that horizontal move, it did sacrifice two miles per hour of velocity, but the results on his curveball were fantastic the rest of the season. He also combined that with an uptick in his sinker usage, and he was really able to take advantage of hitters in certain counts and play off his forcing fastball even better. Uh, This was a pitcher that not just worked with his pitches, but just seemed like he understood the game a lot more as the season went along. 
I can't tell you guys how much I like Nick Lodolo this year and for just overall in Dynasty. Uh, I'm very happy to get him with the first pick in the third round here. He's going to be an absolute baller in 2023. All right, next player after that, we go is Andrew Vaughn. So Vinny gets his kind of steady guy here after taking a couple upside picks. And a guy that should have a, uh, I don't want to, he didn't even have a bad year last year. I think just people have expectations for Andrew Vaughn and they maybe are a little underwhelmed with 17 home runs, but new, uh, new manager in place, new hitting coach in place. And the talent is there, Vinny. I think he hit a home run with the Andrew Vaughn pick here. Yeah. I think people are being way too hard on Andrew Vaughn. He did very good for what situation he was in with Tony LaRusa. Like he wasn't playing him. They didn't really want to use him in certain situations. But besides that, if you look at his stats from 2021 to 2022, they have all jumped. Like his K percentage is down. His average is up. His OBP is up. His slugs up. His OPS is up. His Wobe is up. Like he is hitting the ball more and harder than he was the year before. Plus you're going to have Eloy Jimenez moving to a DH spot. He's going to be in one of the, outfield spots or even at first base. So there is room for him now. It is his time to shine. He hopefully will take the reins of the team because they need a spark. But with Vaughn, you're basically buying the bat dynasty wise. um, If I'm taking him, I'm taking him later, but he's definitely a solid first baseman to build a dynasty team off of. I think uh, going in the years forward production from him is going to be excellent. He will probably one day, become one of those top 10 first basemans in baseball type of prospects. But my only concern with him is, is if the organization trusts him enough, because, you know, with the whole Tony, the Russo stuff, it, it's not just him. It goes up the chain mm-hmm. ownership, all of that. That's my real only concern about him, but he's shown that he can be a consistent contributor to a, to a team. And that's what I want on my fantasy team going forward. Vinny, do you think this might be the lowest you might be able to acquire Andrew Vaughn in Dynasty? Yes, I think this is your last your last buy low because if he gets hot this season, if he just goes on a tear, he's he's flying. He's the inflation. You're not going to be able to get him for cheap. Like he's on the cusp of a huge breakout this year, especially with the lack of bats and production in the White Sox lineup. He's He's someone to target right now. And before, I think before even spring training, because when you people start getting eyes on him in spring training games, I think that's when you start to see it hit the rise. Mike, we could use pinch to that same argument for this next player in Riley Green, who, you know, injured most of his rookie season, but the hype on him in the Tigers system seemed to be massive. And there still seems to be a lot of potential with him being one of the future faces of this team. Again, we're talking by lows. This might be the face of it for this episode with the year he had last year. Riley Green seems like he's got a massive, massive step forward coming this year in 2023. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Riley Green, to me, you know, going back a year or so, I had Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt, and then Riley Green was my number three prospect. And he disappointed this year, but he was really good in the upper levels in AA and AAA as a 20-year-old. Like we're talking like 150 WRC plus with power and speed and, you know, high average and all that stuff, like pretty much everything you want to see from a prospect coming up. So this is kind of a, a weird situation, not a weird, cause this happens all the time, but this is like the reverse of, of Michael Harris. It's like he, he disappointed, you know, in the, and I will, I will say the Tigers stadium and their lineup is not great for fantasy right now, but Riley green is going to be one of their cornerstones. You know, I think he's going to be a really, really nice pick in at some point it, it could even be this year like you know i know outfields gets relatively weak at a certain spot so you know i'm all for taking a stab at riley green where he's going in drafts this year but uh overall you're looking at a guy who i think is going to get to power he's he's got a hit tool you know i think he's going to be, be able to hit 25 home runs if he was in a different park maybe even 30 and i do think he'll be able to chip in speed he's not like a huge speed guy but he's really good at uh, stealing bases. He doesn't get caught very often when he does. So I think that's going to be a little bit part of his game. But overall, you're looking at a well-rounded player. The park in the lineup will suppress his production a little bit, at least until the Tigers get more better players on their team. But I, I think this is a great buy low right now in Dynasty and in, in a first-year player drafter and even redraft. I just think this is a good time to target a player with this skill set. Yeah, I think... 
This is, again, an example of somebody that you can acquire right now for cheaper than it might have cost a year ago. And he's got a lot of great tools in his profile. Hopefully, the lineup can continue to get better so he can accumulate more counting stats. But you like the fact that the park dimensions have gotten more hitter favorable and the fact that the Tigers hopefully will be bringing up more talent to, to surround him with and, and make him, uh, again, one of the faces of the franchise going forward here. You went double up with another young player who actually this guy showed a little bit more promise than Riley Green, but a very sneaky pick from you, Mike, here. I'm sure Vinny would have loved to have him come back to him to talk to us about Vaughn Grissom. Yeah, this is one of the players we kind of identified uh, early in the season on our on this show, you know, and it's one of my prouder moments because I was I was saying, like, I don't want to get any say anything too crazy, but you know, when he was in high A, I was like, this is the closest thing to Michael Harris they have in the organization right now. You know, and I was telling our listeners to, you should grab him right now, you know, before he gets up to the upper levels. And he only played in the upper levels for a few games and then got the Michael Harris treatment and got, and then when he got called up to the majors, he was one of the top five second basemen until the league figured him out. Like he was showing power, speed, average. Like I picked him up in a redraft league and he was one of my top players for helping me down the stretch. So I'm really high on this kid. I don't think he... Like I said, the, the league kind of figured him out a little bit and people are a little bit questioning his defensive skills and all this stuff. But this is a 21-year-old who just turned 22 that made the leap that Michael Harris did, showed the power speed. There were moments when he was hot that he was batting in the two-hole and Harris was down in the seven-hole. Like the Braves are really high on this kid and, and it shows they're willing to hand over the shortstop job to him in a stacked lineup. I'm, I'm, I like this guy as a target in redraft where he's going right now. I like I love him as a target in Dynasty. And, you know, this is one of the big breakouts and, and we haven't seen the full extent of what he is. I don't think, I think we've seen the average and the steals, but this is a pretty big kid. I think, I can, I think we can count on him getting to power down the road too. Yeah. I'm excited with everything that Vaughn Grissom has another young Atlanta Braves player that really just, that team is so young and stacked at so many positions. Uh, they just have been doing it right. And uh, to be honest with you, certain organizations when you hear hearing players are really developing, that's why, I mean, Mike, again, you were on it really early. They're doing the, you know, between Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna. Obviously we've talked about Michael Harris. They just know how to lock these guys up early and, and uh, they're doing great things. Even on the pitching side, Spencer Strider, Max Freed at that, you know, a couple of years ago. So um, very excited about the future for Vaughn Grissom. Now, Vinny, you went back here to Brett Beatty who got a little bit of a taste of the major leagues last season, still has a lot of promise here and could be their third baseman of the future. At least that's what they're hoping here. The 12th overall pick in the 2019 draft. Were you hoping to have Vaughn follow you here? Were you really happy to get Brett Beatty where you took him? Talk to us about the process of taking him here. Well, it Mike did snipe me pretty hard on Vaughn Grisham, but Beatty is pretty close between those two. But uh, Beatty is very interesting because if his season doesn't get ended by his injury last year to his thumb, I think he was on the cusp of a, on a hot streak. And then the thumb injury came out of nowhere, ended his season. But with Beatty, uh, just a big bulky solid hitting for both contact and power third baseman from the left-handed side of the plate. I remember when he came out of the draft, he was older for the class he was one of those big helium guys. He was a high riser draft night. He probably jumped on 10, 15 spots. But with uh, the Mets and his development, they have been very, very persistent on him tapping into his power. And it did take a little bit for him to tap in his power. He didn't tap into his power until, you know, the 2021 season. He was drafted in 2019. He had that year, uh, the COVID year of development, where he blew the organizational wave of how advanced he was at their uh, complex facility. Um, if we're if we're scripting him out for dynasty, uh, I think he's going to be a multiple uh, multiple multiple eligible uh, multiple eligibility at positions. I think we might see him play a little outfield. He has the arm strength to play a corner outfield spot. Like I said, he's solid enough to play third base. He's one of those nice guys that you could probably snag late either this year in a redraft or even late in a dynasty that I would not mind coming off of my bench and just plug and play. But if he actually, if he clicks this year, I think you could see a 260 hitter and pushing 
uh, 20, 25 home runs. Like there is a lot in the frame and his swing and just everything about him. There's, there's untapped potential that I think we might see come this year. Do you think he gets the job out of spring training or do you think they have Eduardo Escobar go there? Ah, uh, that's, I think, I think he might end up in the outfield to start it off. And the first injury that comes, he's taken their spot because there's not really that much investment into, you know, Escobar or, you know, one of the other outfielders, but they, they really love this kid. They would not trade him for any trades the past two deadlines, even the rumors that arose and the supposed trades in place. They are hundred percent in on this kid and I'm interested to see what he does this year. Cause I really like it. Brett Beatty going to be hopefully a big part of that New York Mets lineup next year. A lot of expectations for that team. So hopefully Brett Beatty can be a big part of what we're expecting to be a contending team in the national league. CJ Abrams is on the other end of the spectrum. He's going to be playing for a team that might be the worst team in baseball next year, but also like Brett Beatty, or you could say maybe opposite of Brett Beatty. He has, it seems like guaranteed playing time from the start uh, just for the fact that the nationals acquired him in a trade and don't have a lot of death pieces behind him. Now the stats are definitely not going to be flashy between triple uh, a and the bigs last year, but he is someone that's going to play every day. He's only 22 years old. People already writing him off. Like he's 29, 30 years old, been in the league a long time. You got to give him a little bit more time before you make a judgment if he's going to be a, the guy or not. Two homers and 21 RBIs, seven steals, and a 246 batting average in 302 plate appearances last year. He should be a lock for double-digit steals. He has, again, the prospect pedigree. He was considered a, a top 10 to 20 prospect for many, many years, and I'm not ready to write this kid off yet. I think the playing time aspect is going to allow him to put up enough counting stats where he ends up being a great pick where I get him here. And I think he's going to surprise people next season with what, when you look at his final season line and you say, wow, actually not a bad season. I think that's what you're going to say with CJ Abrams. Maybe he's not a star, but he's going to be, I think a very solid player and could be a cornerstone for this team for many years to come. Yeah. I just want to throw in, I've always been a fan of CJ Abrams. You know, the power hasn't quite developed there but a guy with a really low K rate and elite speed, I think he's going to end up being a top-of-the-order type of guy. Great target in Dynasty right now, and probably Redraft, too. I haven't looked at the ADP recently, but the playing time and his pedigree makes it, and the, his ability to steal bases makes him very intriguing for fantasy leagues, all fantasy leagues, really. In Redraft on the NFBC over the last two weeks, he's going pick 243. So. Yeah, and I'd have to see who else is around there. But if you're looking for help at middle infield, like that could really pop for you. I mean, he's he's a guy who's capable of stealing 40 if he's playing all the time. Other middle infielders going around that are Gene Segura uh, and DJ LeMayhew and also Ha Sung Kim. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's a pretty simple. If you're playing for upside right there in speed, and, and I think Abrams, he's not fully developed yet, but I, I don't think, I think he's going to be a guy who has a high average down the road too. So that could click at any moment. You know, he, like you said, he's really young, 22. This guy is really appealing for fantasy leagues. It, it's just the power just hasn't developed yet, but everything else, I think, I think you're right. He, people are being too hard on him and he's a great target. He is. So is his next player who was another great pick here from Brendan did a great job at the number one spot here in Hunter Brown, 24 years of age. I think in redraft leagues, people are only a little scared because he doesn't have a guaranteed rotation spot. But the man, guys, he, he balled out last year in the playoffs. Really looked like, I mean, on the biggest stage, he belonged there. And uh, I'm really excited for what Hunter Brown can do. And if you're worried about the rotation spot, just remember, Verlander's traded. Uh, Luis Garcia, they didn't trust him down the stretch, so he came out of the bullpen. Lance McCullers has injury questions, so he can definitely win a spot in that rotation, whether it's through injury or just by his performance, but uh, really look like he belonged at the big league level, and I think probably for 25 other teams, he's a day-one starter, no question here, Brendan. Yeah, so two data points and then a bit of a feel thing on Hunter Brown, but first of all, in uh, among PCL starters, and you guys know the Pacific Coast League is very mm. offensive-driven, uh, but among PCL starters with at least 100 innings last year, he had the best ERA at 2.55, and the next closest finisher was 3.74. So he truly dominated his league in a way that no other starting pitcher did. 
also in the brief time that we saw him in the majors, uh, 525 different pitchers threw at least 40 sliders last year, including Brown, and his velocity was the hardest of all of them. And we know that velocity for sliders is just so, so important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even with that data point about a slider, uh, Baseball America recently ran a series where they uh, highlighted the best individual pitches uh, among top 100 arms. So we know his slider there is so good. But then Baseball America said that he had the second best curveball among all top 100 arms. So uh, that just gives me a lot of faith in the arsenal as a whole. And then the feel part of this I mentioned, um, in Dynasty especially, I am really placing an emphasis recently on organizations i trust you know that was part mm-hmm. of the kirby thesis is that who knows he might even have another level with his stuff just because of how good the mariners have been at developing but I'm, I'm just not betting against the astros player development as a whole but especially uh you know their pitchers they're just gonna uh, hunter brown what he is right now isn't what he's gonna be uh, a year or two from now i believe because of houston's player development yeah, yeah, I, I just really want to quickly throw in, this is very, very, very similar to the Christian Javier situation last year. Mm-hmm. Same time, same. he was the kind of the sixth man, odd man out, being drafted late. If there's an injury, he pops in there and becomes a, a, a really good pick for you, most likely. That's, uh, I mean, I, I was pumping his name out a lot more earlier this offseason, but it, it's not a secret anymore, so I've kind of cooled it with just saying too much about him. I, I mean, I think everybody kind of sees that path, right? Like Mike, I think you, you put it out there very eloquently that this is, this is the same exact thing. You bet on the talent, not the rotation spot. And that's what happened with Javier last year. And that's what you should bet on with Hunter Brown this year. And you paired that up with your last pick here, Brendan, with Josh Young of the Texas Rangers, who also had a lot of promise, but had his rookie season derailed by injury and still flashed a little bit in the, in the uh, small sample he had. And like some other players on this list, maybe you can get him at a discount right now because people are kind of sour after looking at him last season. Yeah. So what I find so interesting about Josh Young right now is everyone uh, is focused on the strikeout rate. And he did strike out a ton when he first got to the majors last season. But I think we really need to zoom out and look at this and realize he had major shoulder surgery last off season, it was like the news came out during the lockout at like, I was already so depressed about the lockout happening. And then, Oh great. The only news that comes out is Josh Young got hurt, but that completely messed up his season. Uh, and the reason I really want to focus on the strikeout rate is because coming up through the minors, he was not someone who struggled with strikeouts. That's what made him such a special prospect at this time last year. I remember seeing him as like a 10 top 10 to 15 fantasy prospect because we believe in the power and we believed in the hit tool. And I'm just not going to disregard that thought about his hit tool because he struggled uh, with strikeouts coming back from shoulder surgery, making his major league debut in a small sample. I wish I had sent you guys this image to put up uh, for the show right now, but if you go on fan graphs and you look at his 15 game rolling averages, uh, the contact rate rose throughout his entire time in the majors and the chase rate decreased. Uh, I have that graphic up on Twitter, but it just like goes to show like, Again, it, it kind of just backs up my theory that the hit tool is still going to be a thing for him because he improved so much during his time in the majors. Again, the whole year was a bit of a mess from him. Uh, I really wouldn't focus on his strikeout rate in the majors from last year. Yeah, I think you you touched on it well, Brennan, like the strikeout rate being a big deal for people and why they're scared. And I think they were like, they looked at other levels of the minors, but keep in mind, he's adjusted everywhere, every level he's been at and, uh, should also be a big part of what this Texas Rangers offense should be this year. I mean, with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon leading the way, this is a team that's building to contend, obviously bringing in some big arms this year, headed by Jacob DeGrom. Uh, I I think Josh Young is one of the better values right now in dynasty and redraft league. So I like the pick you made here, Uh, but going back to a young player that has not really seen any major league time, Daniel Espino, of the Cleveland Guardians, their number one pitching prospect here. I just couldn't help but jump on him here uh, with my last pick. This was kind of my first promise pick as I took proven, more proven commodities earlier in my draft. Uh, but you you had me at number one pitching prospect for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, like Brendan said, you bet on the organizations, and that's a, a huge thing. And, and the Guardians really have done a good job with their pitching. Now, Espino has a fastball that goes anywhere from like 95 to 98, but can top out at about 100 miles an hour. 
And then he's also got a nice slider to go along with it. A fastball slider combination that's lethal is will get you far in the big leagues. He's expected to debut this season uh, and put up pretty decent numbers across the minor leagues last year, t- uh, finishing at double A with a 17.18 K per nine and 18.1 innings pitched. Also had a 2.45 ERA to go along with that with a 3.09 FIP and 1.52 XFIP. He's just been dominating in the minor leagues. He's going to be a baller. And uh, I think, again, he's one of the guys, again, you haven't seen him pitch at the big league level yet, but he's going to be a staple Guardians rotation along with Gavin Williams. And just uh, I'm very excited to get him with the last pick of my draft here. But all right, let's go to our second to last player, your last pick here, Vinny. And you go, you stay in the Guardians organization, but you go Will Brennan of the Cleveland Guardians outfield. 24 years of age here. Talk to us about your last pick and your thought process behind it. Yeah, I will say I wasn't really big on Will Brennan as he ascended through the minors. But after digging into his stats, oh my God, is he going to be something special in Cleveland? We've seen Cleveland develop these uh, outfielder, uh, outfield, uh, let me, uh, outfield hitting prospects that are solely contact based, like a Stephen Kwan. Um, Noah Naylor's probably going to fall into that when he transitions to the outfield. But you're looking at a guy through his minor league career so far has not had a, a below or has not had an above 20% K rate and has kept his walk rate above 11%. That, that is absurd. He gets on base. He's never going to be a power threat. You'll be lucky if he maybe hits, you know, 12, 15 homers a year, similar to like an Alec Thomas. But if you're looking defensively, he's good. He could lock down probably any position out there in the outfield. Uh, his BABIP has never been below 310. He just puts the ball in play. And I think these uh, players like this, I think they just get a little uh, undervalued just because they, they're not – you know, flashy and shiny and they don't put up you know, big power numbers, but he has a potential to be a 20 bag sealer. Uh, he's going to hit, you know, in the high two eighties, maybe low two nineties. And he's just going to get on base. He's going to be a top of the order bat. Like these players, I think they need a little bit more respect because they could be potentially very, very valuable in a dynasty or even a redraft. And he's not as big of a name as some of the other guys. So uh, you might be able to jump on that earlier. Like you said, uh, Vinny, I'd be able to get him cheaper before he potentially does things this year. And he did get already get a taste of, of the major leagues last year. So it's not like he's somebody that uh, you can't expect to start the year with the team and to, uh, to put up big numbers. So yeah. I, like, I like the Will Brennan call. And Mike, close out here with the alien, Jason Dominguez of the New York Yankees. He's split time between three levels of the minors last year. Put up a pretty decent line when you look at it. I did actually watch him at uh, in first pitch Arizona, and um, he struggled a little bit in that environment. Now people were telling me that uh, he's been there so many times that it just seems like mentally he's not there because uh, I think he wants to kind of move on past that. Uh, so talk to us. I, I mean, Jason Dominguez, I feel like we're, we're waiting for him and their talent is definitely there. Uh, this seems like a huge upside pick that could pay off in a big way with your last pick in the draft. Yeah. Full disclosure. When we first started this, we kind of forgotten to include the international players in here, but at the end we looked at the group of players and Jason Dominguez was the only one from that entire class that you could even make a case for being involved in this. And I do like making an upside pick with my last pick. So it kind of just made sense. But I also wanted to talk about the situation because this is three years later. This is one of the most premium international players hyped up, you know, and it's not just the Yankees. Like he has the tools to be hyped up and he's showing it. He's, you know, he's showing, he's putting up good numbers. Those are really good numbers for Mm -hmm. a 19 year old getting up to the upper levels. Like I really think Jason Dominguez is still like a highly touted prospect and people should view him that way but it was always going to be impossible for him to live up to the ultimate hype. But the reason I wanted to include him here more than some other safer players, like I looked at was just to bring up that point that, that we're three years later 
he's still a number 20 pick in a first year player draft. So there's a lot of risk in the, and he's worked out. You, you can't say that he hasn't worked out or relatively lived up to his hype. So it hasn't been like a Ronald Acuna type jump up, but I don't know. Uh, it just gives more credence to, to fading uh, the J 15 players in, in a lot of leagues. But as far as Dominguez himself goes, I, I do believe in his talent. I don't think we've seen the full extent of his power yet. I do think his speed will come down a little bit, but I, I think this guy's definitely going to be a 2020 threat once he's up in the majors. And it's just a matter of how, where does his batting average fall in all of this? I think he's probably got an average hit tool, maybe get it to above average, but uh, he's a, he's a really promising player. And as far as his overall situation, you know, I still think there's an argument to be made for selling him. If, if someone's still really high on him, but if you just look at him neutrally, he's a 19 year old who made it up to, to the upper levels. And there's just very few of those. And so I just, I think he's a really high upside player still. Yeah. Yep. And a good way to draft, take upside players with your last pick. And he definitely still like, he has a lot of promise there. Uh, really quick. We'll touch on the final draft board one through 20. You guys can see it. If you're watching on YouTube on screen, uh, really quick, if you're listening to the podcast, Bobby Witt, Adley Rutschman, Michael Harris, Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson, Anthony Volpe, Vinny Pasquantino, George Kirby, Alec Manoa, Nick Lodolo, Andrew Vaughn, Riley Green, Vaughn Grissom, Brett Beatty, CJ Abrams, Hunter Brown, Josh Young, Daniel Espino, Will Brennan, and Jason Dominguez is your 20. And then lastly, notable players that were not selected. I'm not going to read all of them. You can watch on YouTube if you would like to see the full list, but a couple names. Bryson Stott is on this list. Drake Jameson is on this list. You also have Hayden Wisniewski, a.k.a. Vinny Guy. You also have Shea Langoliers on this list. Ryan Nelson of the Arizona Diamondbacks. There's so many awesome players that we did not even get to. That's just how stacked this 2019 draft was. Uh, but on that note, I want to make sure we can get Brendan out of here. So, Brendan, thanks so much for hopping on the pod tonight. It was fun doing this new show topic with you. So, please... For those that might be living under a rock and don't know what you are or who you are or what you're doing, please go ahead and plug your Patreon, everything you do in the Twitter space, and just anything you want our audience to leave with here. Yeah, yeah. So on uh, t- on Twitter at too much Tuma, uh, I work for Underdog. We have um, our baseball, best ball games are you know live. They're up and running now. It's hundred thousand dollar payout for first place for a ten dollar entry in the main tournament, the Dinger. But then we also have three dollar uh, tournaments that you can enter as well if you just want to. Start getting your feet wet. I will say there are some big inefficiencies for anyone out there who thinks that, uh, you know, they'll really have an edge in drafting on Underdog. Uh, and then, yeah, Patreon is uh, too much Tuma. I also have a Substack, um, which is uh, more just free reading. Um, but I'm on there as well, always on Twitter. Guys, this was like, I feel like if and when you guys do future years, it's just not going to feel as uh, <laughs> stacked as the 2019 class was. So I was glad I was here for that one. Had to bring the best for the best class. Uh, but make sure you check out Brendan Tuma on Twitter at Too Much Tuma. And again, just putting out a bunch of great stuff that you need to make sure you're checking out here. Uh, but for Brendan, for Mike, for Vinny, I'm David. That's going to wrap up this episode of The Call Up. If you are enjoying the content, please make sure you guys are subscribed to the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel. We are closing in on 3,000 subs. And make sure you guys also, if you want to listen to the podcast version, it's out every single week or every other week, whenever we record on the podcast feed. You guys have been coming in waves on the podcast, so thank you guys there uh, that are subscribed. But we will catch you guys, of course, next week on another episode of The Call-Up.